You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Ain't No Seeds. What is good, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of Ain't No Seats. Our um, our buddy Ryan Reinhardt is somewhere holding a golf club because he's addicted to the grind. I'm here with my brother, Anthony Bax, and we're here to talk about the 2-0 Kansas football Jayhawks. Starting 2-0 um, for the second straight year. The booth was electric on Friday night. The blackout, um, the students were great. The fans were great. It was loud. The Hawks' defense was insane. Jalen Daniels was back. He was terrific. Um, Anthony Bax, how pumped are you? How are you feeling? Do you have even more optimism about the team after the Illinois game? Tell me how you're feeling. I feel like a Capri Sun, my dude. I am straight juice box right now. I can't believe how good they looked in the first half of that football game. I was nervous going into it. Part of me was like, oh, what if we just lose and everything we've been excited for for the last like 13 months kind of takes a hit. Um, and from the jump, which was the most refreshing thing in the world to see this team to get off to a fast start. And I I mean, we'll talk about the second half, but they never felt like they didn't have complete control of that game. And to just dominate another Power 5 team like that, um, I, th- I don't want to get too excited, but it's kind of what we were talking about before the year. Like this team's ceiling can be higher than we've really ever seen. Um, if everything goes to form and everyone keeps progressing and it seems like that's the case. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but mm, that game just made me so happy. I'm so glad we're back. Yeah. And obviously Illinois is one of the games you look at before the year. And we almost said like, not like season defining, but it can really, it can really make or break the season. I mean, you start one and one, and then obviously you have a tough, you'll have a tough Texas game coming up, but that was the game we really looked forward to. We knew. The spread was going to be tight. We knew Bielema was a good coach. And I think the thing we worried about was KU in the trenches on both sides of the ball, just because obviously Illinois is really good up front on both sides. They got an NFL prospect on their defensive line. And I thought KU just dominated all night. I mean, Devin Neal, what? He had 10 carries for 120, and then Hyshaw had eight. He had 12 carries for 98. So, And it felt like KU left a lot of points on the board too. So... But like you said, the first half, I've seen a lot of KU fans um, talk about how that was the most complete half of the Leipold era, and it really was close to perfect. I mean, old KU, I think we were up 17-7. to 7. I think old KU teams just take that into the locker room, take a knee or run it once and see, <clears throat> I guess, see if you can put a drive together. But JD, I think Highshaw had a run to start off the drive and then JD rolls out right, throws it to Luke Grimm and Grimm makes an outstanding catch. But JD was, I mean, as good as you could ask for really. There was a there was a third and five in that first half and looks like a defensive, defensive tackle had him in the backfield and he evades it, finds Lawrence Arnold. And just what were your thoughts on JD on Friday night? It just looks... It just looks so natural. I don't, I don't know. Like we, we always say we're very blessed to have one of the better backup quarterback situations around. I mean, Bean's awesome, but it just looks different with Jalen out there, man. It just looks like they have more flexibility with what they can do. It looks like they have, 
I mean, it's just his ability to get it. He's not as fast as Jason Bean, but he's the, the shiftiest person I've ever seen in my entire life. He and Neil were making dudes fall out of their shoes all night long for Illinois. Yeah. And it's just the things that Jalen can do. It's like watching Mahomes sometimes. Like he'll just, you think he's wrapped up. You think he's about to be brought down. You think the play's dead. Next thing you know, he's outside around the whole line and he's running down the sideline looking for someone to throw to pointing around and bam find someone 50 yard pass 25 yard pass like it's shockingly how similar they look sometimes just in those types of plays and obviously Jalen's not the MVP of the NFL yet but for college football man like that's why he's the big 12 offensive player of the year like he's special and he's just got something to him that it's really, really, really fun to watch when everything's clicking and everything's on. And he has so that, good to see that again. He has that swagger and energy too that just mm-hmm. gets not only everyone on the sideline fired up, but everyone in the stands too. And I just I remember at halftime I was just I was walking around like, please, just thinking in my head, please give us a full year of JD. Cause I want to see the type of numbers he can put up under Kotal Nikki and with the two elite backs we have. Um, but I guess you look at our schedule down the road. If JD's healthy, how many games on the schedule do you go into and just be like, we can't win this game? Like, I I feel confident looking ahead. We'll probably talk about this in a little bit, but I feel confident almost against anyone. You give JD the ball, um, he can, it's a guy that obviously threw for 500 yards against Arkansas, put up bowl game records. Um, he, so, yeah, he can throw for 300, 400 a night. He can keep drives alive with his legs, have a hundred yards rushing. Like this offense can put up 40 points. I personally think against anyone in the country, especially not, sorry, not anyone in the country, but anyone in the league, you know, Uh, obviously in Iowa state, really good defense, but I think our offense, I mean, can hang with anyone in the, in the league. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, I think the thing that was most impressive to me, and you talked about a little bit dominating up front, that's like how Illinois like supposed to be built to play, like to just beat teams like Wisconsin and Nebraska and Iowa and the, the teams they play every year. And they were doing KU was awesome getting things out to the edge and the perimeter and you know using the speed advantage to them. And but it just even running up the middle. I was talking to Nick about this before. The draw plays they run and it's just like our guys are so patient and the holes were opening up in the middle of the field that I would have never guessed we would have had an option at consistently going to before that game started, just knowing what we know about like the identities of the program. It felt like a speed versus power matchup, and we turned it into a, okay, we'll take speed and power and turn it against you guys like both ways and dominate, march up and down the field every way you can imagine. See, that's what I was – felt pretty good before the game. I think we kind of nailed it last week with how KU needed needed to start quick Mm-hmm. Um, and we hadn't, we didn't last year. That was the issue. That's probably another change the staff made. Like the staff's so good and they just, everyone's so disciplined and it's crazy how smooth things are. Like you leave, you leave the Missouri state game on that Friday, like hoping, wishing they would have beat them by more. Um, and then you do it on Friday night too with against Illinois. It's like, there's so much, there's so much more room for improvement for our offense, which sounds crazy. Um, cause they, they put up how many points did they score Friday? 34, but they, they turned yeah. over three times in Illinois yeah. territory. So I'm so yeah, they were up 34 to seven, um, throw a pick in the end zone. You fumble inside the 20, 
And then you get a turnover on downs late on like a fourth and inches where they ran like a toss. So KU, I mean, it's easy to say, and I know teams are going to turn it over in games, but very easily should have scored 40 plus and they definitely could have scored 50 plus. So it's like just thinking about how good the offense could be at the end of the year, all these guys playing more of the O-line and getting more reps together is just scary to think about. Mm-hmm. And Illinois could sink too by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, I mean Hopefully it's not Houston of last year where they just completely collapse and that win doesn't mean as much as we thought it did going into it. But like I said before, you blow a team out that plays in the Big Ten. Pretty impressive regardless, unless it's like a bad Northwestern team like this year, Rutgers yeah. from a few years ago, and we beat them by 30 points. The day well, I mean, was born, but I mean, <laughs> Illinois won, what were they, eight, eight wins last year? Yeah. Eight got a top four. 10 pick on that defense. They've got mm-hmm. another dude that's going to be probably day two guy. Like, yeah, if not dudes, still it's just because they lost some guys doesn't mean they don't have a, a lot of talent around still and a really good coach. But yeah, that's what a, that's kind of my thing too. Is I feel like obviously rival fan bases are going to hate us and well discre- I mean, discredit discredit our wins. But you ask them before the game or before the season, they would say KU would lose to Illinois. You know, it's kind of like the Houston game last year where I remember tweeting because KU was trying to get. Or they were there was discussions about getting out of that game because they were going to join mm-hmm. the Big Twelve and you know, K State fans were saying that we had no chance against Houston and they're down fourteen at Houston and they end up going off win that game but that kind of felt like that same game this year where you knew it was going to be a tight game um, but obviously KU KU found a way to win but I I just feel like they discredit that win just because I guess. Maybe we made things tough on Illinois. You know, our defense was great. They're supposed to be really good in the trenches. Like you said, they won eight games last year. Their over under was like six and a half wins. And the spread was what, three, three and a half? So I don't, I guess it's easy to say Illinois sucks and it's a Big Ten team and they're boring, but it's like KU went out there, took care of business. They went up 34 to seven. They were dominant on both sides. Illinois obviously scored some touchdowns late and kind of a busted run on third and 18 by Altmeyer, which was, I don't know where everyone was on our defense, but yeah, I still, I just don't get how you can discredit beating a big 10 team, especially what K has been through the last 10 or so years. So I thought it was an impressive win. Um, before the year, I probably would have said we'd lose just cause Bielema big 10. Um, I know it's at home, but, and they have a, they have a good quarterback too. I think, I think he's better than people give him credit mm-hmm. for his top 120 recruit went to Ole Miss um, I just I think just shows you how far we've come since Lance was hired. On the uh, opposing fan bases, it's just like exhausting, you know. I'm trying to stay out of it on Twitter at least this year because I don't really want to spend my Saturdays tweeting at people I'll never meet in my entire life, com- arguing on things that we're never going to agree on. But like, what are what are we supposed to do? I I seriously think if we went out and beat Georgia tomorrow in app. <laughs> They would say, well, Georgia lost, so look how many dudes they lost last year. They're not that good. Like, it's just, there's nothing we're going to be able to do to impress them or to make them say that, hey, this is a good team. Because every every tweet you saw was, Illinois belongs in FCS. Illinois is the worst Power 5 team in the sport. Illinois is this. Illinois is that. Not one time do they say anything, oh, this defense looks a little spicy, you know? This defense wrote this down. So that play you talked about, the Altmaier touchdown run, 72 yards. Obviously, you can't take plays out and then look at stats and treat them as those are the full stats. But you take one 
broken play, scrambled touchdown away. Illinois ran 27 times for 67 yards. That's four point, or, excuse me, 2.48 yards per carry. Okay, you run defense against a team like we were saying earlier. Wins games by running the ball. Held them to two and a half yards a carry. Like, that's just... I said, what, what are we supposed to do? Like, yeah. last year, even we're winning games, like the defense wasn't bad. So it's like, yeah, and that's where it's different to me. Last year, we were just outgunning teams, and the offense was great, and it was fun, and it was exciting. But there wasn't an optimism that I have now that this is like a legitimately good football team, it appears. And every question I had on defense seems to be answered. And it made me wonder how everyone, including us, just sat here all summer and all spring thinking about KU football and said, their defense was awful last year. And ever pretty much everyone on that side of the ball is coming back. They're just running it back on defense. And not one person had the balls to say, hey, you know what? Maybe this same group of guys that were 18 to 20 years old, maybe they progressed a little bit. Maybe they got used to the new staff that came in. Mm-hmm. We talked about it like there wasn't spring practice the year Leifold came in. These guys were still learning as of last year. The defense just figured it out. What if they just like, it's another year playing together, another year of experience being around each other, and they're young kids that are just, they go to college football, that's not what they are the rest of their career. They can get better, they're allowed to do that. And if that's going to happen, and a couple transfers come in like this Austin Booker kid who, that targeting was Shell, so bad. Definitely but it's just not one person ever considered the idea that, hey, Maybe they could just improve with what they have in-house, and it might not, they're not going to be an awesome defense all year probably, but I don't know. It just blew my mind thinking about that the other night, that no one had the thought that maybe they could improve themselves. Yeah, yeah, let's um, let's get into the defense here shortly, but before before we do that, let's talk about one of our sponsors, Home Field Apparel. Um, obviously, we love them. They've, shit, we've messed with them before they even sponsored us, so seen their stuff for a long time their stuff's amazing you know that comfortable um they always take care of us their designs are elite we always talk about this every episode like even other schools gear we talk about wearing that stuff um they have vintage look like i would i would wear any of the stuff maybe maybe not k-state stuff or mizzou that stuff so sick though yeah yeah i'm almost jealous of the k-state stuff i know yeah they got the lavender stuff and all that so yeah home field's amazing um we love them we really appreciate everything they do for us, but you guys should definitely go check them out. Homefield Apparel, if you use um, discount code no seats 23 you get 15% off homefieldapparel.com. Go check out their KU um, collection. Like I said, they have a bunch of different colleges, all the local schools. If you're a K-State fan listening to us talk about our incredible football team, go check out K-State stuff. It's fire. Mizzou fans, you too. So Homefield Apparel, we love you. Great, great stuff. Great. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's let's definitely talk about the defense some more. Um, I definitely want to see them, I guess, play more high-powered offenses, but... Mm-hmm. You obviously got to like what you see so far. I mean, Missouri State's obviously not high-powered. I don't think Illinois has the athletes or the quarterback to really get in a shootout. That's why I thought it was so important to start fast. But like you said, this defense, they returned pretty much everyone besides Lonnie. Wish he would have came back. But the defensive line looked amazing, getting pressure all night. We had six sacks, nine tackles for losses. Um, The secondary was great. Like, they didn't give up really – many big plays besides the long run, which was they were in a tough spot. I mean, it was third and 17, so the defense had done their job up to that point. But I guess you just talked about the defense. How do you feel about them overall? Um, and how how do you feel about the improvements they've made from last year? It's very encouraging stuff. That's uh, yeah. I feel like even against Ellen, teams like Illinois, so I don't think Illinois is as bad as Iowa State was last year. But even against like, mm-hmm. I don't know, teams on Illinois' level this year, I feel like they'd still be giving up 28, 31, and they'd just go have to outscore them. Um, this felt like true, like generated pass rush. We know our secondary, at least with Kobe and Kenny Logan, can be pretty solid. That's always a good start. Um, but like I was kind of heading that earlier, they, like they play together really well. They look like they're super into it, and they were clearly fired up. That had to have been the message coming out was let's let's get a stop right away and let's just build momentum. And it felt like they were riding that for a while. But yeah. again, six sacks for this team, it's just stuff that we don't really see ever. And yeah. pass rush was a lot of people's biggest concern. And I'm not saying they're going to get six sacks every game, but the fact that they showed it against a team that prides themselves on being big and physical, especially up front, is, again, something I had never even considered a possibility going into that game. So I would say that's the biggest thing for me is the pass rush, pass rush coming through. Because we're going to need that once we get playing these Big 12 teams that are mm-hmm. throwing the ball 60 times a game. You know, if you play whoever, maybe Oklahoma, Texas, whoever. Yeah, and obviously if the pass rushes elite, that helps out the secondary even more. Yep. And the secondary has been super solid. Melo Dotson, Kobe, doesn't even get to play first half against Nevada, but they stink. I guess we'll get into them in a, mm-hmm. get into them in a little bit. But I think – I personally think the coaching staff probably sent a message to our – our guys up front on defense just because there's been so many people I've talked to, like even fans or people that cover the team or people around the program that have just talked about Illinois when they talk about them, they just talk about them in the trenches. So that's been a massive thing. I mean, their offensive line was obviously huge. They got a stud D lineman and a bunch of pass rushers. So I think they took it personally and it's crazy seeing that. And we talked to Nick, our producer before this, he talked to, someone from Illinois who said like KU had the better athletes, KU 
was like beefier, had the bigger dudes. And I guess credit to Gildersleeve, the strength and conditioning coach, because I've never seen like a Kansas football team since at least Mangino or maybe before, I guess, just look different. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but Mm -hmm. a bunch of just rocked up dudes, pause, but... And just athletes, dude, you can just tell these dudes are different. Um, <laughs> tell these dudes are different. Just had a, I think just working in the off season. They're so motivated and it's such a tight knit group. I feel like they love playing for each other. Like there was a video of JD and Jason Bean dapping each other up before the game. JD was about to go out there and Jason Bean dapped him up. He's like, I, you know, I'm right here. Like I always got you, bro. Like that's so cool to me. Mm-hmm. Jason Bean's just a great dude. Great player was going to leave, be gone. And JD's obviously younger than him. Bean's been doing it. Um, and Bean's just, he's content. He's a great teammate and he's going to be ready to step up if he needs to come in and play a down or whatever he needs to do. But I just love this group and they love playing football. The staff gets them so prepared and it's just crazy how, how far ahead we are from when we hired Lance. Like you sit there and think how many coaches and it's probably easy to just start naming the big names, but how many coaches around the country could turn around Kansas, a program that was literally in the basement, like terrible, worst pro- power five program in the country. They go bowling in less than two years. Like they got here two years ago and they're just so competent and everything's so smooth and they're so disciplined and still like, it's insane to me. I don't know how many coaches in the country could do what Lance has done, but feels like every week KU is going to go compete or they're at least going to play smart football um, and not make those crazy mistakes that old teams did like under Charlie White's and stuff. So I don't know if we really have an answer for that about how many coaches could do this, but obviously Lance was regarded as a top 10, top 20 coach in the, in the country before we hired him. Like, so he, he was already highly regarded and I was getting in kind of like a Twitter not really an argument, but someone was saying Leipold has zero case to make for being the best coach in the Big 12. And it's like, yeah, he hasn't done crazy stuff at Kansas, but he's not going to do that right away. He's not going to start winning eight, 10 games playing for Big 12 titles. So it's like, you can say that, but that's really your your only argument. And I don't who are know. They, who are they taking? Yeah. So I don't, I mean, obviously you got Kleinman. Yeah, Campbell. I don't. Campbell's kind of fallen off the last few years, but yeah, Kleiman. Um, who else? I mean, Sonny Dykes. Yeah, Mike Gundy. Yeah. Gundy's been doing it forever. Sonny sure. Dykes. But they said no arguments. By the thing that's holding me back is the no argument thing. It's like I don't know if I'd put live but you can't. one, but the fact you're not putting him at seven with no shot to get up there, like yeah, because what's he got to do? He's got to come here and run the table after taking over a winless program. Yeah, and I, like, I know it's. It's early to judge. It's year 2.2, whatever. Um, but still, like like you were saying, how many guys come into this program the way it was? This is Bill Snyder kind of shit. And it's way early on, but it's like this program is down in the dumps. No one cared. There were 8,000 people at some of these games. And that's the biggest thing with the transition. We went from you know, 3,000, 4,000 people showing up, the student section just couldn't have looked worse to now we're hosting primetime Friday night football games, last minute blackout that the students all went in for pretty much 
filled it to the top, filled it early, and it just unbelievable. It, yeah. it really is unbelievable to see just how much different the program is in general. Because just... a guy and a bunch of his friends, and I know that's not yeah the case, but like kind of what it feels like, just a bunch of dudes that came in that have been together for a while, know how to win, and they implemented in the spot that felt like the most hopeless in the country. Yeah, and they just they they grind, dude. Like they're program builders and culture changers, and that's kind of been their thing this whole time. And Lance obviously probably could have got a different job. I'm not saying he's going to stay here forever. We hope he does, um, but he seems content. I think he just wanted that power five job. And now, I don't. I I get way too excited about what he could turn us into because what he's always what he's already done. But just thinking about, I'm just sitting here thinking about the first year. Even he comes here, winless program. He. I remember the speech on the field where he's ter- telling all the players like, "We will win here," and it just it felt real right there. Maybe I'm a homer, but even like that's all of the previous staffs players people the staff before them even and he brings a couple guys from buffalo i guess and they are already competitive by the end of the year now they weren't winning a ton of games but they were hanging with yeah a lot of close games um and then yeah i think everyone just the hype was built from there and then the next year we obviously started competing and now it just god we could i mean kansas could be ranked soon again we were obviously ranked last year but I, I just think it's insane what they're doing. And I don't know if you ever think about what, yeah, we're close to the top 25. I think they were 29th in the poll today is what our producer says. But I don't know if you ever sit there and think about what we could be in the future because it's so hard to tell. I mean, you never know, but college football playoffs obviously expanding. Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. And I know golf the other day was saying, like, why can't this be one of the premier programs in the Big 12? I mean, you got you obviously got K State who's really good. Um, I I personally think we can get on their level. I know they've been good for a long time. Climate's great. I'll never take credit away from them, but I just think Kansas is a great brand, big brand, and I think we can keep local kids around. And Lance has shown he can land transfers. He's shown he can get after it in the recruiting trail. And so I just I just sit there and wonder what kind of level he can take us to. So I don't know if you think about that or if you have any takes on that, but. I think it's super exciting to think about. Yeah, I don't think about it a whole lot, but now that you say it, I think K-State's got to be like the goal, right? Like, and they might get the half job, me saying this, but if we can become a program that wins somewhere between six to ten games a year, and, you know, it's like one in every ten you win ten, and then most every year you're in a bowl game, you just have a lot of pride around the program. Like, that's, to me, the ceiling of this program i don't i hope that doesn't sound harsh because we trash on k-state's like inflated ego every once in a while but in all seriousness like if ku had k-state's football program we are the most happy people in the history of sports fans because i don't know about you but football ku football is never going to be higher than ku basketball for me in terms of like interest and x's like detailed interest of the program and that's just from 20 almost 30 years of caring about it but the football team it's like keep us interested keep us going get us through the fall and early winter and you know and it's it can be more than that it's been more than that for the last couple of years but i think that's what they would shoot that's what they should shoot for is consistently playing in a bowl game once every couple recruiting cycles maybe have it all come together and go get your nine wins yeah and obviously the big 12 is going to be loaded a ton of teams but 
I just think potentially Leipold could have Kansas as one of the top programs in the Big 12. I mean, as long as he stays here, they're going to continuously keep getting better. You put a good product on the field. Fans are going to show up. You're going to get recruits. No matter who they get, I mean, they're going to coach them up and they're going to become good players because all these dudes are bought in and stuff. Um, but let's uh, let's talk about the targeting calls a little bit. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think that's – I don't know if you saw my tweet. Uh, I was at the game somehow getting cell phone service, which shout out to yeah, higher-ups higher ups at the booth or the higher ups at KU getting cell phone service at the booth. I was like tweeting videos that I took. It was nuts. Um, but I tweeted the Austin Booker video when he got ejected uh, with targeting. They reviewed it. I think a lot of people in the stadium didn't think it would be upheld. Thought they would change it. Um, so I don't know if you saw my tweet, but it's just literally 50-50 people saying I'm a dumbass. Half the people saying, I can't believe this is football. What happened to my sport? Let's play two-hand touch. So I guess talk me through that play, what you thought maybe what you thought now and just what you think about targeting in general and kids getting ejected. Yeah, I don't think this one was as bad as, I mean, we can talk about the Kobe one later, but this one <laughs> seemed, I never considered targeting to be a thing if it wasn't like head-to-head contact or like launching yourself into someone. But it just, I guess by the book it's targeting, but it's like, if that's targeting, what are we doing? Like, what? What? Are, where is he supposed to hit him? He can't yeah. hit him low because they're going to call him for that. He can't hit him high because that's close, too close to the head. He hit him right in the chest. And I know there was a little bit of lead with the helmet, but it looked like he yeah. turned his head a little bit at the end. It's like, Not like you're if thinking that's about the it kind either. of stuff that you're suspending guys for, like essentially two halves of football, one in the game that's currently going on and one the next week, like you're letting that linger on for a week. I know you're trying to get it out of the game, but it's like, God, just – almost a judgment call with a million different ways to have a gray area mixed in there. It's like, there's gotta be a better system than just, Oh, well targeting you're done for the next, you know, week and a half. So uh, we'll see a second half next week. And if it's the biggest game of the year, it doesn't matter. There's no appeal process. There might be, I think with the conferences, but it's just, it's seems crazy to me. And I, I think my issue is more with the rule in general. I it's, they're in a good place like they're doing it thinking the right thing but at the end of the day some of these calls are just so stupid and pointless and it's like what are we even doing right now like what are you trying to get out of the game yeah and obviously we've watched football for a long time and there's obviously some targeting where guys kind of purposely do it or but it felt like austin booker's obviously he's going to try to make a play he wants more playing time and he was he was great friday night but just feels like a football play like he's going full speed at a quarterback hits him perfect timing and yeah he's ejected and now he's out for the first half unless they can appeal it or whatever against Nevada which shouldn't be a massive deal but I just think it's crazy and I don't know how this would work but like maybe there can be a judgment call like yeah call call targeting or call give him 15 yard penalty but Maybe there's a judgment call on ejecting a guy or not. Like if a guy blatantly does it and he's trying to fucking kill someone or hurt him, mm-hmm. then yeah, kick him out of the game. But if a guy goes and tackles someone or like Jacoby's was, I don't, I didn't really get a great look at it. I know, I think he kind of hit him with his shoulder. Um, but I don't even know what you do there. I guess you take his legs out or you just wrap him up. I thought, 
I don't know how you feel about that call, but I'm sitting there with my dad and he's like, you got to tackle him by the legs. It's like, you can't really just like slow down and tackle mm-hmm. him a certain way. Like just make a play. And the quarterback left him out to dry. Kobe obviously nailed him. Um, and the quarter, I mean, Austin Booker, I thought that guy, I thought the quarterback broke his ribs, right? What, what were your thoughts on the Kobe one? The Kobe one looked a little more like it, not more the contacts, but like, it was almost to me like a hockey hit that a guy would get in trouble for. Cause he was like almost jumping into this dude to hit him and not just like, I don't know, running in to make the tackle. It still looks kind of soft. It, again, it wasn't your typical helmet to helmet targeting where he spear in and trying to dive for the ball or something, but. I think that one was more, I can see where they're coming from. He literally, from foot to head, launched his entire body kind of into him right before contact. So, like, I can kind of see that a little more than the, you know, Booker dove at this guy's chest and his head may have been in there a little bit. Because what if... Seems a little different to me. Like, what if... I don't... uh, Jacoby obviously could have tackled him differently, but what if, like, Jacoby just slows down and barely tries to wrap him up and put him down. He misses the tackle. The guy goes and scores. And then the coaching, like the coaching staff's pissed at you and you feel like you let your teammates down. So it feels like you got to, you obviously got to make a play, um, get someone on the ground. I'm not saying you got to tackle guys certain ways, but in the heat of the moment, when a guy's running across the middle, like just instincts take over, I guess. Obviously, everyone says it's hard to just stop full speed. So, yeah, I don't know what Austin Booker really could have done. Maybe just bear hug him and set him to the ground. But I, it's just crazy. We Even after the game, just talking to some friends, like there, we've seen people in the college football playoff get targeting in the second half, and they miss the national championship game. Like, that's mm-hmm. wild to me. You kick someone out. That's playing in one of the biggest games of their lives. Like they're not maliciously out there trying to hurt people or end people's careers. So I think it's wild that they still get kicked out. Some people, some players probably deserve to get kicked out, but I don't know. I just think maybe it needs to be looked into more. Like maybe you just review it and see how malicious it was, like I said, but I don't, it's just crazy to me that you miss an entire half. Like say BYU, say we're beating them in the second half and Two, two of our best defensive players get targeting and they're out for the Texas game for the first half. Like, you're in trouble. Yeah. And it's just got all the targeting replays. There was a point in that. I think it was end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter, where about two minutes of game time went through and there were four different reviews from whether it was scoring reviews or the, uh, there were like three targeting reviews back to back to back. It's just exhausting. It's so exhausting. I don't, I really think that's the biggest thing that the, in, enhanced targeting rules is done is add more commercial breaks and add more video replay and piss more people off i don't know the stats on it on the safety but it's just it's too much man it's too much yeah um you want to should we go into another break do a little DraftKings ad read let's do it best Braden. best best book in the game that i win so uh-huh. much mo- win so much money on that's what they that's what they want from you huh <laughs> Well, Braden, so you said it, football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? The one Braden just said, that's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of new two offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. 
new customers again you get if you bet five dollars you take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gram- gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.SOT1800GAMBLER.net in New York. Call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Uh, void on void in on the app. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football. Terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance, eligibility, and deposit restrictions apply. That is DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code KCSN for 200 bucks in free sports bets. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Speaking of DraftKings, um, I was a little nervous Friday night about the Hawks covering when probably shouldn't have been up 34-7, Altmaier breaks the run, whatever, but I I wanted to ask you about a couple more calls because I didn't get great looks at these either. They, they were after the targeting on Booker. Um, I think they ended up getting the two-point conversion. Called it in and then reviewed, and a lot of people told me that he still wasn't in after the review. I have no idea. So that that's one. And then the other, I think, was Highshaw. He ran one up the middle. Looked like he got the first down. They reviewed it. Fans were already furious about targeting the targeting calls. So they were going nuts, and it looked like he got it. So I don't know if it was built up frustration or what but what did you see on those two calls because i didn't get a great look i'm going to sound like the worst podcast co-host of all time right now um we've watched i've watched so much football the last two days <laughs> that trying to remember those two plays yeah i can't well i, knew, I so think the- i think the high shot one and i obviously I remember the two-point conversion like happening i just don't remember the specifics and there were so many reviews at that point they all just blended together and i was kind of like this game's a blowout let's just get back to the game the high show one if i'm remembering right he it looked like he got it but he didn't get it and then we didn't end up getting the first down yeah we're gonna get something like that happened like later on in the drive i don't know yeah but vaguely i can remember being pissed off because it looked like he got it fairly easily with the blind eye and then you know Next thing you know, it's second and inches or whatever it was. Yeah, it's just wild because they they got both two-point conversions. Um, They're up 27, and then I don't know what line everyone got, but I was – me and my buddy were there both with minus – KU minus four tickets, and they get it to 11, Mm. um, and they would have scored and went for two. If they would have scored late, they would have went for two to get it to a three-point game, so it would have been just nervous. But I was prepping to see that on SVP Tuesday night with Bad Beat. Yeah. I was just ready to see KU's field just like, hey, look at this, KU up 34-7 to against Illinois, but you wait. <laughs> yeah. No, that two-point conversion, I mean, that's why I was just wondering because obviously if they cover mm-hmm. that two-point conversion would have been massive. They would have been down 13 instead of 11. Um, and then the high shot run would have just put the game away. They probably could have needed it at, at that point if I remember correctly, but Another DraftKings um, reference. Just looked. KU's minus 27 and a half Saturday night in Reno, Nevada. They just lost like 33 to 6 to Idaho at home. Um, 
And then they obviously, they played USC week one, which we can't really, we can't judge that game too much. Caleb Williams is decent at football, but how do you feel about that line? I guess we kind of started off slow against a Missouri State. And does Andy Kotal Nicky open the playbook or does he save some stuff for the upcoming games? I hope he saves some stuff. Um, I was kind of surprised by the line. I didn't really know what to expect, but I didn't expect KU to be a four-touchdown favorite on the road, even if it's against maybe the worst team in FBS. Um, but yeah, man, it's it feels comfortable. It feels good, and I have no no feel on if they're just going to go out and blow them out or if they're just going to go in and try and get the win and get home. Um, kind of hope it's the second one of those. But... Yeah, seeing seeing KU as a twenty eight point road favorite in a football game is something that I mean, it doesn't seem right, but it's spot on and it's it's valid. And I think that honestly, obviously Nevada sucks, but even last year when we were five and zero, four and zero, whatever, even the lines in Vegas, I feel like we're still like super disrespectful and think that this was fluky. I remember we were a ten point underdog at Oklahoma when OU had just lost sixty to nothing to TCU. And like, like all, I feel like all the lines, every, every time we went on the road, we were still more than a touchdown dog. We were dogs at home a lot, if not every single game. Mm-hmm. Um, so like seeing the respect both with being favored against Illinois, being a four touchdown favorite against a team you should hammer, it's it feels good to know that we're not the only ones that should trust KU or have confidence in KU to go out and put up a big number against anybody. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to ask you this too. How much of a different feeling do you have this year from the two and start compared to last year? Like last year, yeah, it's just it's wild to me. Like that West Virginia game was obviously electric. The pick six, they end up winning by two scores in overtime somehow, but it just obviously was the start of something. And they had shown some they'd shown some strides the year before. We got our hopes up and then we're like, okay, this team could be good. Now I kind of just get like a, I expect this team to take care of business feeling mm-hmm. like it. It's not shocking to me. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but they just go out there, take care of business. They've pretty much been in control of both games. Missouri state. Yeah. You can say it was close in the third quarter, but they weren't showing much being started. These first two games, it just feels like KU's just more athletic. They're more dominant. They're better coached than the teams were playing. So it just, it's just not a shock to me anymore. Yeah, I would 100% agree. It's like last year, I mean, think about the lines. We were 14-point dogs to Westfall and won. It felt like it was unexpected and a crazy upset. Same thing with Houston. I think we were 10-point dogs at Houston. We didn't expect to win. Even on the pot, we were excited, but we're like, all right, Houston, they're probably going to beat us, but let's see what happens. So last year, it felt like we were just on this insane underdog run, almost like in March Madness when the 11 seed goes to the Final Four. And it's like, oh, they just keep on knocking everybody off. They keep on doing it. This year, like you said, it's expected. We're favored in these games. We're supposed to go in. We know the place is going to be packed. We know that we're the better team. That wasn't always the case last year, even though we were winning games. Um, but yeah, it's, it's completely different. It's what we expect now. And it's not a... It's almost like the 2014 Royals. I always say that that playoff run was more fun when they are more fun than the one that they actually won the World yeah. Series because it was start. It was brand new. We were so excited. We were so locked into every single pitch, and not that we weren't into it in 2015. It's just like, all right, now we yeah, expect yeah. to do that. Let's go out and do it, and let's go out and show them. Like that's why they won in good. 2015. 
Right. So, like, I don't know. Maybe they'll go out and win a Big 12 championship this year. Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of brought me to my next point. Like like you said, last year, just it kind of felt like a tournament run where you were like, uh, I don't know if we'll beat Houston. I don't, I don't think we'll beat Iowa State. Their defense is too good. Now I'm to the point where I personally, I'll be super disappointed, I feel like. I wouldn't say super disappointed, but I'd be a little upset if we don't start four and zero and head into Austin five and a or head into Austin maybe for game day. They just beat Bama yesterday. I heard so I I'm all in on being four and zero. I expect them to be four and zero. BYU obviously won yesterday. They played God, I don't even know who, but um, uh, I, I ex- uh, Sacramento State or something. Yeah, so. I expect to be 4-0, and they were going to be at home. The place is going to be sold out. I've heard that game is supposed to be nuts, just from a fan base standpoint. Like, Obviously, it's going to be sold out, but it's the first Saturday game. BYU fans, I'm sure, will travel and make it. It's the first time Southern Utah. playing us, playing in the conference. So, yeah, they played Southern Utah Saturday. But, yeah, that's, I expect to start 4-0. I don't know how you feel. I'm sure the BYU game could be a tight game. How do you feel about starting 4-0 and just, I guess, give me your thoughts on the rest of the schedule and just like a little look ahead. Um, I certainly expect to be 3-0, and and I still don't know how to feel about BYU uh, at all, really. I don't think they're great. I think we certainly can beat them regardless of how good they are because I don't think their ceiling's super high, but yeah. I don't know. It's, it's so hard to judge teams off one or two games against schools that we're just, we have no idea of, like, they don't appear to be very good, but I think the ESPN analytic projector percentage thing that they show every time you open up a game in the future, I think it says KU's got like a 70% chance to beat BYU. So like, I kind of expect to be 4-0 as well. And I don't want to be crazy here. Texas winning at Alabama last night makes me more confident going into that game in Austin. What what are we going to have to lose going into Austin? Absolutely Obviously, Leipold... Leipold expects to win every week. He's super competitive. You heard him say how he thought it was crazy. Fans were excited that they hung with Oklahoma that one year. So, like, he has higher expectations. Obviously, expects to win every week. So, going to go into it. If we're 4-0, we're going to go into it ranked. Could be game day. So, there will be a lot on the line. The guys might be nervous. But you just go in there, Andy Kotelnicki, with the craziest playbook, drawing the craziest shit up throwing bombs, just, I mean, doing whatever. Like, you have nothing to lose. You lose to Texas. The rest of the country expects that. I hate that we're looking three weeks ahead right now, but that's what we do as fans. We get our hopes up and talk ourselves into crazy stuff. But, yeah, that that will be like a – obviously, fans will be sad if it's tight and we lose, but, well, you don't have much to lose going into Austin. So, I feel good about being 4-0 and we – Going into Austin, we talked about it too. They play Oklahoma the week after. I'm sure Sark will have them locked in for us. They're trying to make it to the playoff. Can't really lose too many games, but you can't help but look ahead to Oklahoma a little bit, regardless. I can't. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I think they're going 12 and 0, man. Yeah, it's freaking me out. No, I'm kidding. They're not. Oh, Kansas. I thought you meant Texas. No, 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 no. no. The Jayhawks of. But, I mean. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's like, again, we talked about a few weeks. This does not look daunting. There's not a game we're going to go into and not at least yeah. have a shot. 
Like someone, it was Fornelli earlier. They were talking KU Illinois, and he said, I don't think KU can beat Texas, but Jalen Daniels might be one of the only quarterbacks in the country that can give Texas problems or go like shot for shot with Texas and keep up, um, which was cool to hear. But I don't know. At the end of the day, we're going to be ranked like 18th at number four. So, yeah. It's going to be electric. I still think we should all go down there. I bought my tickets last night because I had to. I think it's the last time we'll play there till God knows when. Um, But, yeah, next two weeks, definitely got to take care of business. Can't overlook a Nevada team or BYU. I mean, Keaton Slovis is their quarterback, so he's he's been around. Um, But, yeah, just looking at the schedule, I don't know. We're two weeks in, two games in, obviously. How much uh, you were confident before the season? I was confident too. We weren't saying anything crazy, but how much of your expectations changed? Like, where are you right now? Um, what and how many how many regular season wins do you think we get if you just had to pick? I still think my number is eight and four because in my eight and four, I had a starting two and zero, oh, so I don't think I can change it too much. But I st- I think I'm validated with the ceilings higher than eight and four, like. We saw it in the first half. That's what I'm talking about. Best case, everyone's progressing. Everything's coming together. That's what it was. Playing perfect Friday half. in the first half. And they're not going to play perfect half every week. They're not, this is not going to happen. They might not play a half that well again the rest of the year. But it's there. And that's kind of my point. Like, if they can get to a point yeah. where it's there, like 70, 75% of the game and not perfect, but close to perfect not shooting yourself in the foot like we did last year out so often like i'm sorry that's just a team that can win nine ten games and i know it sounds crazy because the jerseys say kansas we're red and blue and black sometimes and i get it it doesn't seem natural but like look past all that shit look past all the history and look at the guys that are on the field now and on the sideline now because it's a legitimate college football team this is nothing to do with 2014 kansas football this yeah, just feels like a team that can hang with anyone any week in this league. I mean, last year, really just thinking about the offense, when really did the offense let us down last year? I know Iowa State game was ugly, but that's every game they play in. We we're still moving the ball, especially in the first half. So I don't even know what our offense can do really to let us down. It feels like a they're going to have a couple backs that rush for close to 100 in some games. <laughs> JD's going to make throws, improvise. I thought he was so nasty Friday night. Kotal Nicky, they jotted out both quarterbacks on the first play, which is kind of wild. But it just feels like our, our offense can hang with anyone. The defense is obviously improving another year under Brian Borland. UCF kind of looked stinky on Saturday, which is another look-ahead game. Barely beat a backup Texas. quarterback. Barely yeah. beat a backup. Yeah, so I'm I'm not saying they stink. They'll be a problem. Miles Zahn's yeah. a good coach. John Rice Wingley's good quarterback. So Can they throw the ball? Can UCF throw? I, I don't think they throw it much. So KU, like, yeah, they gotta commit, be good in the trenches they have been so far. I mean, there really hasn't been many big explosive plays against our defense. Two games in besides the Altmeyer runs. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think we can beat UCF and so that was I was really worried about them Dude, like after the I was really worried about them after the Kent State game, which I don't know why, because they're the worst team maybe in the country. Just they looked explosive. They play up tempo. That um was tough. That was difficult for us in Norman last year. They speaking of Norman, OU was in a tight one 
late against SMU too. I think it was 14-11, and then they scored a couple touchdowns. So it's at home. That That's what I'm saying. Outside of Texas, OU, UCF, K-State, and Tech are the four that scare me. And Tech they're all... Well, they're finding ways to lose. Their offense is just really explosive and Shuck can run and throw and they'll probably be desperate at that point, maybe trying to make at least to a bowl game. They don't scare me, but I'm saying those are the most explosive offenses. Like I expect this to be Iowa State, even though it's there. Their defense is pretty nasty still, but those are the teams that I would have been worried about before the year, but they're all in Lawrence. Not saying the Mm -hmm. booth is... Death Valley, you're the craziest in the country, but you're at home. You're comfortable. Um, the crowd will be <laughs> the crowd will be electric. They were so good Friday night. I had chills. Like there was two. I wish I wrote down when, but there was two moments in the game where it's like the loudest I've heard the booth in forever. Even last year, I don't. Maybe it's prisoner of the moment thing, but yeah, the games that I'm worried about are all at home besides Texas. So maybe they squeak them out. Maybe they lose a tight one, but. Why why is it crazy to say they could win nine regular season games? Like does nine and three sound outrageous to you? No. No, it doesn't. There's nothing that sounds outrageous to me. I get I'm sitting here thinking if I said ten and two, people in the YouTube comments will be like, Wow, this guy. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I do want us like it's good that we're excited. I don't, also don't want to get us in any trouble with like getting shit clipped in uh, a few months if something goes wrong. But, but it's fun to look like, ahead because they look better sure. than they look better than I thought they would, especially yeah. def- on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So I'm not starting to doubt them whatsoever. I'm not doing any of that. I just just want to make sure that we're. Uh, yeah, I just as fans, I feel like we're allowed to look ahead oh, a little for bit. sure. So oh no, I 100. I'm looking ahead as we speak right now because if even oh if another Texas, one. I think we could be like six and one going into that Oklahoma game. Another one is they won last night, but boy, does Oklahoma State look just stinky. They don't have a quarterback. I don't know who their guy's going to be going for or if they're just going to keep rotating three quarterbacks in. Gundy had his son launching left-handed passes. Uh, Wrangell was in there. Bowman was in there. So that feels like a team that, yeah, it's on the road in Stillwater, and I'm not saying they're bad. They're really well coached. So it'd be a tough game, but that that's a game before the year. You see Oklahoma State in Stillwater as a KU fan, you're like, well, we're gonna lose that game. But mm-hmm. I feel great about that game. So is, is I see good before we go. Is Cincy good? I this is gonna be the last game of the year, obviously at Cincy. I personally think they're better than people thought, at least before the year. I think Emory Jones is their starter um from Florida. He transferred from Florida. They have a bunch of athletes, a bunch of transfers. So hopefully there's well. They beat Pitt I shouldn't say time. that. There's, I want there to be implications going into that Cincy game, but I think that could be a good game. So, I don't know. I just Nine I want to look. Nine and two eight and three. Winner goes to Arlington to play Oklahoma. I just I want to look look forward with you for a little bit. Cause like even the Texas game, it's one thousand percent the best week to have them. If you can schedule Texas before the year, you say, give me Texas the week before Red River. Mm-hmm. So I, lo- I love that. I'm not saying we're going to beat them, but the things that I would do if we do. Like if we beat Texas in Austin the last time we ever play there, I'm kind of scared what you're going to do. But I we'd probably be in the God. I don't why am I I don't know why I'm doing this, but we'd be in the top ten at that point. There's no question. 
Springer. Not- Our producer said I would get arrested. Yeah, I'm. I'll be in Austin. We should all go. That that's the that's if we want to start dreaming. If we really want to start dreaming. I mean, I just feel good about four and zero. You know, so that's why I want to look forward. And this is where we get in trouble. But if we get through Texas and somehow win, we're five and zero. We come home, we get UCF. It's like the booth. Well, then wins the loss. Wins the loss. That's what I'll be saying to myself. Um, But that's three weeks away. We got the Wolfpack one word this week uh, in Reno, Um, and we're gonna we're gonna get a big W. I think I don't know if you want to give predictions, but I'm gonna say like. 35 to 10 we're not going to cover but we're going to uh control the whole game and kind of not put too much on the gas yeah yeah obviously feel great they're one of the worst teams in the country not trying to discredit them i don't know maybe we'll re- maybe we'll record this week i don't, probably not much to preview with them but maybe get rye on here spewing takes and we can bully him for saying oh he's he's eight. all in on arlington though yeah that's what. That's why I am looking ahead and getting excited because the Illinois game was kind of the thing that would set the tone. Because if you can start two and zero, and then you got a really bad Nevada team, and then you're back home against a team that you're going to be favored against, then you're really going to start looking ahead, getting excited about maybe an eight nine win season. So the Illinois win was huge. They controlled the whole game. They were up thirty four seven. So it was great to see how good they were in the trenches. Um, hopefully we record this week. I'm not sure what, but we need to be putting out as much KU content as possible. Hopefully after four games, we can talk you guys into Kansas making the college football playoff, but we will see AB anything KU related, anything KU football related, anything life related. Um, I've been sick. I hope (laughs) I don't sound too bad on tonight's show. Um, but I'm getting better. I've got a golf tournament next weekend that I will not lose, but I've been saying it to myself since I found out this golf tournament was on next Saturday. I can't wait to play golf all day long, get drunk, come home, and watch KU football at like 10 o'clock at night. It just sounds like a it sounds like a childhood fall evening for me where I'd get home from like the old Settlers Day Parade, come home, and get super cozied up on the couch and watch the late night college football game. Like That was like my childhood. So I've I'm starting to get those vibes going into this weekend. I know it's a weird time. I know there's people that are kind of pissed on the Friday, Friday, 9.30 p.m. Saturday, first three games to the year. Um, but That's I think... It, game time against BYU. Yeah, and I think it's overall good, even though it's annoying, a Friday night game. No one, no one's going to talk about KU Illinois on in terms of a national perspective. No one's talking about that game if it's a two thirty on Saturday yesterday. There's so many other games going on. No one's talking about KU Illinois. It's not going to happen. So like the, the fact that you're able to, you get your stadium on, you get you know you got your new plans going out on ESPN two. You got the Travis Goff interview on ESPN two. They interviewed Lance Leipold three or four different times throughout the game, like. It was essentially a KU suck fest for four and a half hours on Friday night. And that's the kind of stuff that I think helps elevate the program. And there's got one more thing. I'm calling him out by name. I love this guy because he is a robot with college football. He will know if Toledo's left guard is out for the game and they're starting a freshman backup. This guy is a robot. He tweeted something. His name is Bud Elliott. Bud Elliott tweeted on Friday night. Andy Kotelnicki always makes safeties look like idiots. I don't know what his head coaching aspirations are, 
but if he wants one, I'm pretty sure he'll be able to get a bag. And then all these people start replying with schools like Virginia and Florida and all these schools where they can't figure out offense right now. And I just, we did it with Lance last year. I don't want to do it with Andy this year. I want these guys to stay in Lawrence until they die. Yeah. It's just like, but that's that's the problem with being good. Standing problems, I guess. Yeah. AK is incredible, incredible play caller. Our offense is just electric. They scored 34 points and you leave the stadium hoping they won by more, scored 50. So it's not a room of improvement for the offense going forward, which sounds wild, but you got two, maybe the best running back duo in the league. You got a preseason Big 12 player of the year behind center. So defense looks great. I just can't wait to watch KU every Saturday going forward. Feel like our energy was low tonight, but I think it's because I just feels not saying we've been doing this forever. It feels normal, and they just take care of business. And I expected them to beat Illinois. I don't know if you remember, but some guy on your podcast said last week that we're going to get out to a fast start and they're going to win by seven to ten ish points. Hawks win by eleven, mm-hmm. and they started fast. So I, he's he's pretty smart. Um, but yeah, four and zero. touchdown Tony Pollard no 25 to nothing Giants are losing to the Cowboys (laughs) 25 nothing Giants are losing sorry I know you're a Pollard boy tonight (laughs) we're done rock chalk one game at a time but let's go into Nevada when everyone better be in Lawrence for the BYU game these guys have been playing their asses off for two years. The coaching staff is doing it for the fans. Um, They're incredible. So everyone's got to be in Lawrence for the BYU game. Even if you don't have tickets, be there. I want the energy around Lawrence to be incredible. Let's beat Nevada first. Hopefully see you guys this week. Thank you for listening. We love you. Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, go KU. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.